This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to Culture Code. I am so excited because our guest today is the Chief People Officer of Toro, Lori Boyd. So, Lori, welcome. And where are you uh, coming to the show from today? Hi, Kevin. It's great to be here. I'm coming to you from my home here in Los Altos Hills, which is about 40 miles south of San Francisco, where we have our headquarters. Perfect. Near headquarters. So welcome. Now, I travel a lot, so I'm familiar with your with your organization and with your company. But for those who aren't familiar with Turo, you know, tell us a little bit about the company. What do you guys do? How big are you? So Turo, you know, we were founded in 2009. Uh, so we are the world's largest peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace. And if folks don't exactly get what that is, the shorthand of it is basically the Airbnb of cars. We have this extraordinary selection, right, of of amazing vehicles on our platform that you basically book from your neighbor down the road, you know, a family in the town that you're landing in. So if you want a Maserati to go up to Napa this weekend to go wine tasting for your husband's birthday, or you need the big minivan to taste, you know, all of the cousins that are coming into town for Thanksgiving to Tahoe because you don't own a car that big, all different types of um, uh, makes and models available to you to book. You get the car that you want for the adventure that you want. And the host makes money, right? The cars are pretty much sitting underutilized 95% of the time. And this is usually one of the most expensive assets that folks have aside from a house. So why not put that car to use to generate income for you? And so a lot of folks have found that this is a great side hustle, but some have also built it into an amazing business. What a concept. I love what you said there is um, for most of us, you know, the cars, even if we have one car, it's not utilize, especially now that so many of us are working from home. And so to be able to make some money and let someone else use the car for a while is great. And you don't even know this, but so I'm outside Philadelphia. On Monday, I'm arriving into San Jose, California for a month. I've got an apartment there for business reasons. And I like this idea. I'm going to look into getting a Maserati and to drive up for a long weekend in wine country. And if I do that, I'll I'll take a selfie in front of the Maserati and I'll, I'll let you know it was your idea. Excellent. Well, and you can mix it up. You could have a Maserati one week. You could have a Jeep the next week. You could have a BMW the next week after that and a Volkswagen the week after that. So it's whatever, you know, you want that adventure to be. We've got a car for you. That's for sure. Fantastic. So you have a strong company culture. Every company, though, is unique. And a lot of times you just sort of know it when you see it. But I want you to try, like, how would you describe your company culture in in a few words? So I would say that, you know, us at Turo, we definitely have a lot of what companies, you know, tout as their wonderful company culture just as table stakes, right? It's a very collaborative group. It's a very down-to-earth and humble group of employees that we have, a very supportive, innovative, right? Always pushing the boundaries, wanting to make the product better, the experience better for our hosting guests. But when it comes down to it, you know, we went through this huge exercise of rethinking our values. We had a couple of core values that we had, and we just went through an exercise last year where we asked our employees, how would you describe our culture? Uh, because it was, we felt it was time to take another look at that. And we came out with four values. The four values are that we are grounded, we are expressive, we are bold, and we are driven. And so those company uh, values, we really always see as our North Star to help guide us in our decision-making, in our day-to-day behaviors. We weave it in and out throughout the entire employee experience from recruitment and talent acquisition through onboarding, through reward and recognition and performance. 
So it's our values are really, really core to who we are. And we feel like it's each one of our obligations and responsibilities to model them day in and day out in the workplace. I love it that you went right to the employee base to to get feedback and to to reset the values. There's an old, I don't know who I heard it from, but they said, you know, people will fight to protect the thing that they built themselves. And so for having these values come out of the of, of your colleagues, I'm sure they're very um, passionate about them. And so that's maybe the first step for when you reset your your culture was to do the survey and to get that input. I'm curious, how are you sustaining these values and and the culture? How are you bringing it to life, making sure people actually live them? Part of that is, as I mentioned, during onboarding, all of our new hires, I actually deliver that session on culture at Furrow, uh, how we behave and how we treat one another. And so I walk through that portion with the, the new hires. So immediately right off the bat, you know, they would have had some questions during their interview process about how they reflect our values, but we really instill them and make sure that they they fully understand them during onboarding. But it's also things like when we have our company updates every two weeks, right? We're, we're always mentioning the values in there. We uh, have designed reward and recognition and are working on a new company-wide level award, if you will, that aligns with the values as well. So different ways for us to kind of weave it in and out. But I think, you know, culture-wise, what we really love to do is um, we do gather every six months. We fly in all of our employees. So we currently have employees in six countries, um, about we were 868 folks strong at the end of Q1. And we bring them in every six months so that we can gather together in person. And we either do that here in our San Francisco headquarters or at uh, where we have an office in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's a week long of programming where the uh, various leaders talk about what their teams have done, what they're looking forward to doing in the next six months. But again, culture and the values constantly woven throughout all of those presentations. And then, of course, in the evening, we have lots of team building activities, lots of fun. That's great. I'm really curious about what you're doing to develop and support frontline managers, because you know, mm-hmm. Gallup and LeadX Research suggest that you know about 70% of engagement is filtered through who our boss is. You join a company, you leave a bad boss. You know, there's large companies out there that have literally 100 people and $100 million to invest in programs. You're a smaller organization, tech company. So how do you support your frontline managers to be great leaders? You're absolutely right that the relationship that an employee has with their manager is the most important relationship in the, in, in the company. And so we have been very, very clear. I would say even our CEO has gone as far and I, I do all the time to let people know that if you are a people manager, that is your number one job in the company. It isn't to deliver soft, more quality software. It isn't to do better, you know, marketing. It isn't to, you know, make sure our accounting numbers are all tied up at the end of the month. It is that you are here to develop and support your people on your team. So we make that very, very clear to folks that how important their role is. Now, the way we support them is through a number of trainings. And so a lot of these were initially done by us in-house, but we are of the size and scale now where we are able to bring in, you know, third-party folks. And so we have partnered with LifeLab to come in and do our core manager one training and our core two training. And the core one really focuses on coaching and how to provide feedback, um, how to ensure productivity, having effective one-on-one. So just those table stakes, again, the the basics on management. But then the core two really goes into strategic thinking, you know, meeting mastery, like you're pulling all these people together and let's make sure it's an effective meeting and we're getting accomplished what we want to and how to lead your team through change. That's another um, area as well. So we do invest a lot in that. 
But we also, again, do a lot of our own trainings, whether it uh, we just had one yesterday, for example, on compensation conversation, because we do our salary benchmarking here in the summer. And so we want to make sure that all of our managers are equipped with not only just the knowledge of how we compensate at Turo, what our compensation philosophy is, how we level folks, what the budget looks like, all of that good stuff, but they need to feel skilled in being able to deliver the news to their employee about what their salary increase is for the year. And so we do types of preparation like that as well. And just for our listeners, this is the first time, so I, I interview a lot of chief people officers, a lot of heads of leadership development. This is the first time anyone's proactively brought up that there's official training on on meeting mastery, as, as you call it. And for our listeners, so, you know, again, LeadX, we've got 12 researchers clear. There's 12 behaviors that drive employee engagement. And since COVID, meeting, we call it meeting efficiency, is like number five. Like one of the biggest variables for employee engagement is now meeting. People don't want to waste their time in meetings. They don't want to be called to meetings that make no sense or waste of their time. And yet you ask so many companies, are you teaching your leaders how to facilitate productive, effective meetings? And very few of them, them are doing that. So that's great. And I'm sure a great contributor you know, to, to engagement. And pivoting now to employee engagement, employee experience, how are you gathering feedback? Are you doing engagement surveys or other quantitative things in addition to the when you bring everyone in-house? Yes, exactly. So what I was very, very fortunate to have uh, inherited here is a culture of engagement surveys where the leadership does you know, really care about what our employees have to say. So I was glad that I didn't have to convince our executive team when I landed here five and a half years ago of the importance of this. So we do use CultureAmp for our engagement surveys. We uh, survey our employees every six months. And it's so important. I think the, the folks really need to understand it's one thing to survey your employees, but you actually have to take time to deliver the results to them and to show them what action you're going to take. Because there's nothing worse than employees completing a survey and wondering what happened with that. Where did that information go? Where did, my, did they hear me? And so we want to make very clear to our employees that, yes, we've heard you. So we take time, again, after each um, semi-annual survey to, uh, and this usually happens at our turbo week, I deliver those results. Here's what you all had to say. These were the things that were very much action items for us. And here's how we plan on tackling it. And we make very clear to our employees as well that some things we can change overnight. We hear you. And yes, I can go change that tomorrow. Some things take a while. And to ask for their patience, it isn't that it's falling on deaf ears, but some of these changes take a year, year and a half to happen. And so we want to update them and let them know where we stand with respect to some of those action items. But we deliver the results as a company. And then we also ensure that our people leaders and department heads all share with their, their departments. Because the way the engineering team is feeling may be different than what the marketing team is feeling versus the overall company. So we don't want to peanut butter the results. We want to really get in and understand what's working, what isn't, and to learn from those organizations that high, have high engagement scores, what are they doing over in that team that we can learn from and help support this other team who might be struggling in that area? So we're very excited. We have engagement score. We have 88% participation in our, in our surveys. And that is fairly consistent. And we're always scoring in the mid 80s now for overall engagement for the company. So I think our employees understand their mad, their opinions matter. And we hear them and we will take action as quickly as we can. Sometimes it takes us a little bit longer, but we hear them. Incredible engagement practices. Again, sort of unpacking a little bit for listeners. When we do survey work, the first number that jumps out to me is participation, right? So even before everyone wants to look at the score, what's our score? You know, what scale of one to five or what percent are engaged? 
I look at participation because if it's low, it means either they just don't care. They don't even care enough to answer the service. So they've already checked out, they're disengaged or they don't trust you. They don't believe that it's anonymous or whatever it is. And they're afraid it's gonna like blow back on them. So 88% is, is incredibly high. <laughs> and, and I hope everyone heard the distinction you made. When you do engagement surveys, you definitely have to get back to people with the results. Otherwise they'll get disengaged. Whoa, what a waste of time that was. But you don't have to solve every problem. People are realistic. They know they're not always gonna get what they want. They understand things might take time. They understand there's limited resources. They just wanna know they've been heard. So boy, if there's some quick wins, great. But otherwise, hey, Kevin, that's a good idea, but it's not gonna make the short priority list now and we're gonna revisit it in six months. Okay, great, I, you you read my comment, you heard my idea, it's being evaluated. That's all people ask for. So congratulations on these practices. Thank you, yes, um, we receive thousands of comments. So it's one thing for people to complete the survey, right? Just agree, strongly agree, but we get thousands of comments each cycle that we run this. And those comments, each executive team member reads every single verbatim that are provided to us by our employees. So they know that, that we have heard them and the entire leadership team has heard them. So that's, I think, what what really is important. As you mentioned, some things we can get to pretty quickly. Sometimes we don't. And sometimes we are educated ourselves as leaders or as um, department heads of, wow, this seems like a gap in education, especially when it comes to human resources and our people ops team of people, you know, maybe asking for a certain benefit. And we're like, hmm, we actually do offer that benefit. I think we need to hit that a little harder in orientation, or maybe we need to do a lunch and learn to just re, you know, remind people about all of the great things and resources that we have. It's very um, enlightening sometimes to understand where the gaps in employee knowledge are. That's a great add to it. I remember uh, once a very large company there had horrible scores on learning and development, like career opportunities, career learning and development. And everyone said, you know, there's no training, there's no opportunities. And it, all it took was sort of this one hour focus session in this large department to say, okay, well, we have tuition reimbursement. We have the online learning library. We have this live catalog. We offer job shout. We are, and all of a sudden there was just this flip chart of two dozen things. The next time they did the survey, that number was very high. <laughs> they didn't change what they were doing. They just communicated it more clearly. Yeah, kind of on the flip side of that, you know, again, when we were starting out as an organization, you know, smaller organization that didn't have, uh, you know, as many financial resources, we did get that feedback from our employees of, you know, I don't feel like Turo is really investing in my learning and development. And that just kind of blew my mind because, I mean, I'm a startup person. I've been at Salesforce early on. I was Zendesk early on, right? I'm used to these startup high growth companies and we don't always have the budget. But you're at these types of companies because this is exactly where you learn a lot. It's on the day-to-day. It isn't necessarily going to a professional conference that's going to boost your learning and development. It is the projects that you're able to tackle, the autonomy that you have to make decisions to have impact. That is where you really grow and stretch and build a career. And so what we did in response to that is we have a weekly update that we use via Lattice for a performance management platform where you answer a couple questions each week. What did you work on last this last week? What are you focused on for the coming week? Any hurdles or challenges that I can help you with as your manager or anything else I should know? And we added a fifth question. What did you learn this week? Mm. Because if you didn't learn something, that's probably an issue here. I learned how our marketing gets better ROI on you know the SEO spend. I learned how the 
Toronto operation is tackling some of the uh, trust and safety issues. I learned mm-hmm. about how the financial accounting team is, you know, preparing for the audit. You're always learning something. And so we put that question in there so that people specifically at the review uh, cycle timeframe could go back and see that breadcrumb of trails of, look, you did actually learn quite a bit over the past six months. So sometimes it is providing the resources and reminding them of all these great tools and, uh, you know, channels that we have for, for learning, but it's also you're learning here on the job. Yeah, it's great. We um, use uh, Slack here at Leadx. We're very small. We use Slack and we have the automated questions. I'll add that one internally too. That's, uh, I, I love that practice. So mm-hmm. you, you've mentioned, Lori, so many cool things already, but is there any particular initiative or program you know, that you're most proud of or that you want to spotlight? So I think, you know, when it comes to culture, again, our Turbo Week, you know, and we do have, it's all the day-to-day things as well. We have Slack channels where people come together, whether, and, and it's all, not just all work-related, right? We come together as human beings, as people, because I believe that's where the foundation really starts. If we get along as people, then all the other challenges in building this business will become a little bit easier to navigate. And so we have things like the home and garden channel where people are talking about plants or music channel or the Star Wars channel. Uh, we have a corgi channel where we all put pictures of our dogs and um, things of that sort. And it's just really, really great fun and fun way to build community. But aside from that, I think, you know, in our Turbo Week that we hold semi-annually as well, one of the things that we did this past year when it comes to culture is we really empowered our leadership team here that are all of our directors and above. So director, senior director, VP, SVP, and the C-level. And we really wanted to engage them and really bring them at the forefront of people management in particular because we realized that the 11 members of us in the C-suite, while we model the values day in, day out as much as we can, we can't be in every place, in every location, and we can't be the sole cultural flag bearers within the company. And so we really wanted to empower the director plus folks to you know, feel like they are the ones also in this journey with us in leading their departments and how they figure out solutions on the product or within the work environment that they need to also uh, feel like strong cultural flag bearers as well. So it's this leadership team that we've pulled together and we now hold on the week that we gather for Turbo Week, we carve out one day before where we only meet with the Directors Plus to not only talk about people and culture matters, but also product initiatives, you know, financial, you know, targets that we're looking at to really make sure that they are fully well-versed in the business and in the people and the culture so that they can continue to message to their own teams. That's a big investment of time and and shows the importance, tells everyone the importance uh, of the culture work. This is, uh, as you know, Laurie, a short format podcast. We only have a few minutes left, but I'm curious if you could um, send a book to every one of your colleagues and, and it was guaranteed that they would read it, book might that be? Yeah, so the one that I read um, just fairly recently was this book called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. And this is by Priya Parker. And I was coming to this, you know, I'm so happy I found this book because we had just come off of the whole COVID working remotely for about two years. And now we were, we had always been an in-office culture and our employees, we heard very loud and clear from them. They love the flexibility of being able to work from home and they did not want to be forced to work back in the office, even though we had flexibility in the past, right? You didn't have, you weren't going to your desk five days a week, anything like that. And so, you know, I I really felt that from her book, it really helped me message to our employees why it is important to gather in person. Again, we have flexible. If people want to work fully remotely, that's totally fine. 
But, you know, the fact that, you know, we gather to celebrate, we gather to question, right? There's just something very different from being in person versus being remote and on Zooms and everybody being in little boxes. So I felt like that book just gave me a lot of really great ideas on how to structure gatherings instead of the way we've done it in the past to really make sure we have moments that matter and are meaningful, that are worthy, as we discussed earlier, worthy of people's time. So I felt that that was a great resource for me. And where um, has Toro landed now? Like, is it a remote first or have you gone hybrid? What What's the expectation? So we, we landed in that we're pretty much hybrid. If folks, uh, and we left this up to our leaders. We didn't want this to be a mandate from our CEO or from the people operations team. We wanted each business leader to figure out what works for best for them and their teams. And there are some roles that can be fully remote. And there are some that require being in office. And so we left that up to the leaders. So it's a hybrid. So this is kind of a fun one. Imagine if I gave you a magic wand, you could wave it around, and suddenly all your colleagues got a little bit better at one particular skill or behavior. Which one would you pick for them? <laughs> I have to think that the one that I think folks could work on more here at Turo is the area of self-care. You know, we give so much to try and produce, again, a quality product, a quality experience for when you book that car for our guests and for our hosts that, you know, this is a great income generating uh, platform for them. We give so much to our employees. We give so much to our spouses, our children, our dogs that I just don't know that we always give enough time to ourselves. And so what we actually invested in, this is another cool kind of culture initiative, is we partnered with this group called Positive Intelligence this year. And we made a significant financial investment to offer this program for every single one of our employees who wanted to uh, partake in it. And we're glad that we've had hundreds already do it. And basically what it is, it's a lot of reflection about you go through this exercise of what are your saboteurs? What are these voices, these negative voices kind of going on and, you know, kind of keeping you from being your best self and having better relationships, not just at home, but at work. And so we've received rave reviews about this for employees. And so what I encourage them to do through this process is to be selfish, to take the time to invest in yourself. And so I think that's the big headline, invest in yourself, whether that's the self-care or the learning and development, because we do now provide a stipend of $2,000 per year for each employee to go and do coursework that isn't just on the job learning. But be selfish, invest in yourself, take care of yourself, sleep, right? We're all building these high growth companies. We need to sleep a little bit more, uh, even though there's a lot on our plates. So I think it's the self-care. Be selfish. That's great. Final question. So what is exciting you the most about Turo right now? The growth trajectory. I mean, last year, we more than doubled the size of the company, went from 400 and some to 800 plus employees. So that was really incredible. And so it's not just the growth, but how do we scale culture as we grow? And so the big mantra for us this past year has been, how do we stay small while growing big? We love our culture. We love the relationships we have. We love being lean and nimble. And uh, we we don't want to become a, a bloated, bureaucratic, inflexible organization or culture. And so we as leaders are all keeping that top of mind of how do we stay small while we grow big. So that's my you know greatest thing that I'm looking forward to is to seeing how the culture that we've had that is so, so special to us, how do we maintain that? It has to evolve. By nature, it does. With each new employee that we bring on board, it's a dynamic group, right? And so it will change. But how do we stick to our core of who we are as we continue to grow big? 
what an exciting challenge and you obviously have a great foundation you know to build on and and have a lot more in place than most organizations uh your size i think so congratulations on all of that success thanks for spending some time on a friday afternoon with us thanks kevin it was a pleasure hey thanks for listening to this episode of the culture code podcast are you looking to build refine or revamp a training program we team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office hour style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org.